right. Let's get this party started. Advocates, welcome back to another commercial claim show dedicated to you, the public adjuster, to help figure out this crazy insurance claim game that we are playing on a daily basis. I am your host, Vince Perry, licensed and certified public adjuster here in the beautiful, sunny state of Florida. And this is a show dedicated to any public adjuster around the entire country who's just starting out or maybe has been doing this for a while and has some questions and is wondering, you know, some of the tips and tricks that they may need to sort of uh, finagle through their way of this wonderful insurance claim game that we have to play on a daily basis. The reason for the name is because, well, I specialize in large commercial losses big-time losses here in the state of Florida, and uh, I've got a pretty good understanding of what goes on in this entire process, so I'm here to help you. It should also help homeowners, commercial building owners, association members as well, if they have any questions on how to really battle these insurance companies, because they can make it a hard time. Today, today is a very special day. It's Friday, and today I'd like to sort of get through a top 10, top 10, top 10 common mistakes public adjusters make throughout their claims. Usually rookie public adjusters just starting out, some mistakes uh, of these top 10, I have made every single one of these mistakes myself. So do not think that if you have made these mistakes or if you have not yet made these mistakes, there's a chance that you might be making them in the near future, but hopefully this video will stop you from doing that. So top 10, it's actually 11. Uh, I got a bonus one at the end, so if you stick around to the end, you'll see my bonus one. It's one that you're not expecting, so it's a top 10 plus one. So, without further ado, number 10. 10 most common mistake made by a public adjuster is insufficient estimates. Okay, you want to make sure that the estimates that you're putting together when you go out to the loss, the first time that you go out and inspect the loss, that it is detailed, that you have every single thing that you need, whether you're taking the estimate or whether an estimator, a professional estimator is taking the estimate for you, it better be efficient and you better have every single thing on there because they might ask you to sign a POL later, which is pretty, you know, it's, it's pretty important when you have that finalized number in that signed and notarized document and that is going to basically come from your report estimate. So when you're out there scoping it out and then preparing it at home or scoping it out for your estimator or your estimator's going out there making sure that every single detail is covered. Do not miss anything, okay? And you want to make sure that you've got arguments for everything too. There's no fluff. No fluff. You want to make sure that everything you're that you have in there, there's a reason for it. Okay, so that you could argue it with the field adjuster, the desk adjuster, whoever it is that you're going to be arguing it with. Make sure it's detailed and make sure everything in there is legitimate and you have an argument for it when negotiating that insurance claim. Number nine, not documenting or taking photos or collecting invoices or collecting proposals upon your initial inspection. You want to make sure that you have all this stuff and you gather all this stuff as soon as possible. If your client didn't take any photos, well, when you go in there your first time, 
take photos, okay? I've spoken with millions of attorneys and they say, man, they love the public adjusters when they get these cases that took photos on their initial inspection because a lot of public adjusters don't. So take photos, okay? If, uh, if a repair needs to be made, get that expert out there ASAP to get the repair done and get that documentation proving that the repair was done by a legitimate company or whoever it was by, even if it's a Home Depot invoice of a pipe, make sure that you have the documentation ready. If it's a proposal of, say, here we have a lot of cast iron sewer lines. Replacing the cast iron sewer line, get a proposal from a plumber that says how much it's going to cost to get it done. Or make sure the client gets one. Whatever it is, have your documentation, which includes photos, invoices, and proposals ready upon initial inspection. That leads me to number eight. Number eight is make sure you have everything ready upon the initial inspection. That means have your photos, have your estimate prepared and ready upon the initial inspection, have all your invoices and documents and evidence gathered up before your initial inspection. You wanna make sure that upon that initial inspection, you will have it all in a folder ready to give the adjuster. Or you have it all on a, on a, on, on a computer ready to mail the adjuster. I like to do it either the night before the inspection or the night of, of the, the had the inspection that day and then on that night we sent, I send out the entire file just so they have it, everything's ready to go. Why is that going to help? Well, for one reason it could help the insurance company um, finalize the claim a little bit faster because they have everything that they need and number two, it'll really push them along because if there's nothing else to investigate, if you've already provided them with everything that they need, they're going to make that payment faster, they're going to close the claim faster or hopefully they will. So yeah, make sure you do that. So number six not following up with the insurance company on a weekly basis. Every single, I'll give you this, on a weekly or a bi-weekly basis. But every single week, you should be going through your claims. I usually do it on about a Thursday or Friday, where I'll just go through my whole list, and I'll start at the top, and I usually search my email inbox of, you know, sort of the last contact that I made, and if the contact had to have been made maybe a day or two before because someone reached out to me in regards to the insured, then you know that's fine. I don't have to touch that one. I'll wait till next week. But if it's been a week since any contact was made, there was no response, well, I'm gonna send another email out there. Why is this good? I'm gonna tell you why this is good. Is because if they don't respond within seven to 14 days, it looks bad on their part. It could be considered bad faith, but that's, you know, we don't want to use that term quite yet, but it could be considered bad faith. It's not good for them to not respond to the public adjuster when they're saying, hey, what's going on? I've sent you all this, what's next? And then you don't hear anything. You want to, they want, they need to respond within at least a week or two in order for them to sort of abide by their own uh, laws and regulations of, of, you know, of working the claim. So it, it makes it look really good where in the case that they don't pay or they severely underpay, you have all this evidence of emails without any response from the insurance company. Uh, it, that doesn't look good for them. So every single week I would recommend or at least every two weeks following up with the insurance company. Number five, not preparing your client or being on the phone during a recorded statement. Ah, but you weren't expecting that one. That's right. Insurance company, if you're listening, I have got a list of pretty much every question that you guys ask. And frankly, I think it's good practice as a public adjuster to prepare your client for the questions that will be asked. Just so they don't get nervous, just so they don't freak out. I've had clients say things that had nothing to do with the actual claim 
And it just, it, it, it was just like, what? Excuse me? Yes, there was a plumber that went out there to make the repair. Yes, there was a mitigation company. Why are you saying that? It was just an absolute nightmare. And that was just because of lack of preparation. So, you know, just prepare your client. Just, uh, I like to just sort of run them through the, the recorded statement before they actually do it. And then when they, when they do the recorded statement, they're sort of good and ready to go. Uh, the next one is being disrespectful to the company adjusters and the field adjusters. Don't be disrespectful. Why? Why would you be disrespectful? There's no reason to be, okay? The company adjusters and the field adjusters, the company adjusters I know, they can be a little tough, but the field adjusters, they're usually independent guys. Yeah, are they representing the insurance company? Sure, but they're independent guys. They're usually nice guys, and I'm a firm believer that me personally, other public adjusters that I know that I've met don't feel this way, but if you're not so adversary and you're just sort of, you make nice and you make friends, you're going to end up getting the result that you want. So in my opinion, just don't be disrespectful. You can be stern, okay? You could be positive about you, what you want to say and what you're trying to claim, uh, but don't be disrespectful. Uh, I wouldn't want, I don't, I hate it when it's done to me, so I try not to do it to anyone unless they deserve it, but no, I really don't. Um, not putting everything in writing, okay? Usually what I do is after an inspection, I like to sort of, I like to email the desk adjuster upon my weekly follow-up about the inspection, sort of what was said at the inspection, some of the things that we went over, and uh, I like to have sort of all that stuff in writing so it doesn't get, it doesn't get skipped over, especially if the insurance side or whoever it is said something that you just don't feel comfortable with or said something made... You know, they usually don't make any kind of promises, but, you know, I mean, if they were adamant about paying something, then I might want to put that in writing because, you know, it, it needs to be out there, especially if it's going to help your client. Next thing is I've got number two, right? No, number three, letting anyone else negotiate your claim. At the end of the day, I use that term a lot, don't I? At the end of the day, it's up to the in, to the homeowner or the business owner, whoever it is, to sort of settle on how much they want to settle for. But you're in charge of the negotiations, okay? Don't forget that. You are in charge of the negotiations. So make sure that no one else is negotiating the claim, like, i.e., a contractor or a roofer or someone else who is not experienced in the negotiating process, okay? This is your claim. You are the public adjuster. You are in charge. You are in the driver's seat. It's up to you to negotiate the claim because you are the experienced one and you know how much this claim should be settled for or you have an idea. The only person that you should be answering to or you should be allowing to say anything and make any kind of actual final decision is the policyholder. And that's usually a conversation between you and the policyholder. You tell them what you think and they are gonna make the final decision at the end. But don't let anyone else negotiate your claim. Number two. Not reading or warning clients about releases, okay? Be careful, public adjusters. When you get a release sent to you, be aware that that is it, okay? It is, I will tell you this, it is a very uh, strong, what's the word I'm looking for? It's leverage. You do have leverage uh, with a release. So if you tell the insurance company that we may be willing to settle in exchange for a release, this is like gold for an insurance company, right? Why? Because once a release is signed and notarized, that's it. The claim is over, the claim is done. So it gets them off the hook of making any future payments forever and ever. But beware, make sure that when, when you do decide to settle for a release, make sure that your settlement is, is final. Once you tell them that it's good to go and they decide to draft it, 
you know, it's, you don't want to go back on that, okay? Because that's just a negotiation between you and an adjuster and you've decided to settle. So don't go back on a settlement that you've already decided to settle for. So make sure you speak with the, with the, um, with the uh, policyholder. And then also when you get that release, you need to read it. You need to make sure you read it carefully, okay? Before they end up signing anything. But you do have to warn the policyholder that this is it. Releases done. That's it. This claim is over and done with and it will never be able to take money from it again. So just be aware when you're doing that. Number one, we've got to number one. Number one is, and remember there's a bonus. There is a bonus, okay? But number one on my list is not having an ordered and systematic process for approaching your workload. Okay, what does that mean? I'm going to tell you. For me, the I live and die by my calendar, okay? You need to make sure that you have a proper organized calendar to separate all of your appointments, which usually involve going out to sign a claim, going out for initial inspection, going out for reinspection, taking checks to your to your policyholders. Uh, there's you know little different things that you're gonna do running errands just for your own personal life you're gonna have to also be doing because it's nice not to have a nine-to-five job but make sure for me I live and die by my calendar that's number one number two like I said I don't have any kind of don't look at me for a CRM don't look at me I, I don't have a big company I'm a one-man show I work for myself by myself so I don't have the big office with the CRM and the whole so I'm the wrong person to go to but me personally I have an Excel spreadsheet of all of my claims uh, on my columns and rows is basically named insured it's uh, the address it is the named insured address it is the date of loss it's the policy number it's the claim number contact info of the adjuster and then I always have settlement amount um, I'll have my percentage and then I have sort of what's left over and then I could add all of my percentages up throughout the year. I could add up the total settlement amounts. Um, what I can do is basically, uh, maybe I'll try, what I'll do is I'll leave uh, below, I'll leave a blank spreadsheet of what I sort of have. Maybe you could, maybe that could help you uh, with that. And then the last thing I do besides my calendar that I use Gmail for, uh, Gmail calendar, Google calendar, Excel spreadsheet, and then I just have my, my, my folders on my computer. Uh, I use Outlook. So I'll go through every single claim. I open up the folder. I'll type in the last name of the insured on my Outlook and whatever last contact I had, I will make another contact with whoever it is. And the Excel spreadsheet has the phone number of the insurance company and the desk adjuster handling the claim. I'll try to follow up that way as well. If you can get a direct extension, that's great. So you don't have to go through all the hoops once you get all that information. But follow up weekly. That's what I do. Follow up weekly. I usually have a little bit of time to do that. So don't tell me you don't have time because I do. So. That's pretty much it. Top 10. Ooh, almost forgot about the bonus. Okay, listen up. This is serious. If you've already lasted this long in the video, then chances are you don't have to worry about this, but this is going to be great advice for you as well. Number one, and the bonus mistake that public adjusters make is quitting. Don't quit. Do not quit. Please, I am a true testament. You are looking at somebody who has stuck it out. And there's a lot of public adjusters out there I know that have stuck it out. I know it's difficult. I know it can be hard. You can't find clients. You're not making enough money. You find yourself sing, sitting at home with nothing to do. I understand what you're going through. But trust me when I tell you, it will work out. 
okay? It took me about five years, okay? Sorry to tell you. It took me five years to really start seeing the money rolling in and seeing the claims coming in where I didn't really have to do much networking at all except for my normal weekly B&I meeting, which I'll get to in another video. But I didn't have to do much. They were just coming in. I don't know how to I don't know how to explain it, but the claims were just coming in. I didn't have to go out there and find it so much. I'm actually going a little through a little bit of that, you know, sort of the last year and a half I moved here to Tampa. I've been sort of doing that, but that's starting to come in now too. You need to stay strong, okay? Um, of all my friends that I that I have, there have been a lot of them that have tried and that have failed because they couldn't stick through the first few years, okay? So the number one mistake that public adjusters make is they quit. Don't quit, I promise you, not just me, but there's hundreds, probably thousands of public adjusters throughout the country who are very, very successful, okay? And you're gonna be successful too. You just gotta stick with it. And if there's anything that I can do to help you, just reach out to me. I've got other PAs reaching out to me almost daily now, which is really, really cool. And I'm not afraid to speak to you, okay? I'm not too busy to speak to you. So send me a message, send me an email, comment below. I'm uh, very live on Facebook. Send me a message on Facebook and I will respond. So don't quit, okay? You got this. I hope this video was helpful. Uh, this was a suggestion from another public adjuster just to say, hey, what are some of the common mistakes? These are some of the common mistakes, by the way, that are in relation to the insurance company. I'm gonna make another video next week that talks about the 10 common mistakes that you make with your clients. That's a whole other different ball game. But that'll be, on that. that'll be next week. Happy Friday, y'all. I mean, yes, the weekend is here. Let's enjoy our weekend. I'm a big, firm believer of separating your work and your family and thankfully with the kind of job that we have as public adjusters you can do that okay because you work for yourself you make your own schedule so have a good time this weekend enjoy your family as much as you can because you know time flies okay so hope everything was great please 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 subscribe below so we can get this thing really going and comment below if you have any comments and uh, have a good weekend and we'll see you next week later